0: Hello everyone. Today I'm bringing you a content that was produced in a total different way than the previously cases. It will address the words made by a survivor of human trafficking who was rescued by a Brazilian activist named Sandra G. And because of that, I invited her to help me with this story.
1: In the United States, when those responsible are tried for this crime, the victim or the victim's family has the right to present a letter called impact letter. This letter has no page limit and it's a completely open space for them to suggest which penalty should be applied. The letter that will be presented to you today is from a young Brazilian woman who was trafficked to the United States in 2016 and was rescued with my help just hours before New Year's Eve 2019. Regarding today's case, some names in this letter have been changed to preserve the identity of the victim and the families. This is the story of Luana.
2: September 21st, 2019. Miami, Florida, United States. My name is Luana. In 2016, I was 22 and living in Sao Paulo, Brazil with my family. My parents are traders, and I have a sister who's five years younger than me. In March 2016, I was at a nightclub in Sao Paulo with some friends when a tall blonde boy with blue eyes stared at me insistently. After a few minutes, he approached me and asked if I spoke English. I said yes.
0: Hi, my name is Mike. I'm from Las Vegas. How are you?
2: He asked if I was a model. I said I was when I was 14 years old till 20, but no longer because I was studying. After we talked for an hour, he took my number and I left. The next day he called and invited me to dinner. I accepted he told me he traveled almost every month because he worked for a company that imported coffee because Brazil Colombia and Venezuela are the biggest exporters in the world I saw him for three days after this day when we were in a bar one night I wanted to take a photo of him he said he didn't like photos so I didn't take one he walked to the restroom and when he walked towards me I snapped a photo of him he got mad. He took my phone out of my hand and deleted the photo. After regretting having been a little rude to me at that moment, he said to me,
0: I haven't taken a photo in years. I have this scar on my face that doesn't allow me to be comfortable in any photo. I'm sorry.
2: I apologized. But I learned years later the real reason why he didn't want a picture. He returned to the United States, and the following month he returned to Brazil. We saw each other for three days, and from there we started dating. When he called me, the number was not identified. I asked why he didn't give me his number. He said he didn't use WhatsApp, Skype, or any social media.
0: I'm always traveling through coffee farms, and there's almost never a signal in those places. Besides, calling me without internet would be very expensive. Better let me call you.
2: We saw each other five times in eight months. Three of those times he traveled directly from the U.S. to Colombia and from Colombia to Brazil. I invited him to my house, but he always said he didn't have time because he only traveled for just two or three days. He invited me to the U.S. for vacation in September 2016, but I was studying and my parents didn't allow it. In November 2016, he came back to Brazil and said he'd talk to my parents. When I met him, he didn't have a beard, but this time he had a beard and prescription glasses. He brought my mom flowers. After meeting my parents, He said he'd like me to spend Christmas with his family, and my parents trusted him. I only found out later why he changed his appearance when he visited my parents. On December 21, 2016, I left for Las Vegas and would stay until February, when classes would start again. Upon my arrival in the States, he sent me a message saying that he was busy with a client and that his cousin Louie would pick me up at the airport with a sign with my name on it. Upon arriving at his house, I saw three girls in mini dresses, high heels, and makeup. I didn't understand anything. They didn't speak English, and his cousin said Mike would be there soon. Two hours later, Mike arrived, and his cousin left with the three girls— who were carrying small suitcases.
0: Give me your passport, please. I'll keep it for you. Here in Vegas, there is a lot of theft, and it is not safe to go out with a passport.
2: I noticed that the front door of the house had a lock that you had to enter a code to open to leave. As a gift, he gave me a mini skirt with a top that only covered the bust, which, for lack of a better word, I thought was the most indecent outfit I'd ever seen. I thanked him but told him that I wouldn't wear that outfit in public, since it wasn't my style.
0: I'm not asking if you would wear it. I'm telling you to wear it.
2: He slapped me in the face so I froze and tried to grab my phone. But he was faster. He took it out of my bag. I just wanted to get out.
0: I think you are not understanding the situation here. Your life, from now on, has changed, girl. Nothing will be the same anymore.
2: He raped me that night. It was horrible. When I asked to leave, he punched me several times and hit my head against the wall so many times. I felt down and I couldn't get up. My sight was spinning. He grabbed my neck lifted me up and told me,
0: This is just a demonstration of what waits for you. If you don't do what I say, obey me or I would take your sister and I would do the same thing to her.
2: To my surprise, he had some photos of my sister. Then I asked what was that? What was happening?
0: Do you think I go to Latin America almost every month to buy coffee. <laughs>
2: I realized what I'd gotten myself into. Something I never thought could happen with me. I was trafficked. He opened his computer and dialed my mother's phone number through an app and told me to talk to her using that app and tell her I had arrived and everything was fine because he didn't want my mother to call the police and tell her daughter was missing. He planned everything. I said everything was fine and that if I hadn't called her in a few days, it was because I was always traveling around the farms with him and there wasn't an internet signal. That's what he forced me to do. I told her I had lost my phone at the airport, but Mike would buy me another one. He brought a 50-year-old man that same night and told me to have sex with him.
0: You know what you have to do what I want, right? If you want to stay alive, fuck with this client and don't even try to talk to him.
2: I still refused to have sex with that man. And Mike laid me on the bed and covered my face with a pillow. I struggled. I couldn't breathe. But just when I was about to pass out, he said...
0: Do what I say, or I will kill you.
2: I told the client everything that was happening, and the man didn't want to have sex with me. He asked Mike if I was there against my will, and Mike answered no. Even so, he paid him and left. That night, Mike kicked my back and punched my head so hard I could barely walk. I thought I was going to die. As he pressed the knife to my skin saying he would kill me, I said I'd do whatever he told me. Those were the worst days of my life. Because I was all hurt, he didn't bring me clients for 12 days. Security guards guarded the house and there were cameras in all the rooms except for his room. I thought there were no cameras in the bedrooms, but I found out they were. Girls came and went constantly, but we couldn't talk. We flew to Miami after 15 days. I saw one Brazilian, two Russians, and five women from Latin America. One of the girls had a black eye. The worst days of my life began. He brought around 12 men a day and sold me to them, telling me that if I opened my mouth to tell them what I was doing, he would kill me. I asked one of the men he took for help. He was young and I saw that he didn't know I was trafficked. He just told me, I can't help you. Run away. As soon as the last client left, Mike locked me in the room. He punched me in the head several times and in my stomach as well, kicked me in the back, and he said he saw on the cameras that I asked for help. On the fifth day, Mike came into my room and told me to call my mother so she wouldn't suspect anything. But before that, he showed me a video of my sister going to the gym, and he said if I said something wrong, he'd do the same thing to her as he did to me. When I called my mom, I said that everything was fine and that I was going to some farms with Mike, so if I couldn't talk to her for a few weeks... It was because the internet was down. Two weeks later, my body was no longer bruised, and I was subjected to those disgusting men again. In the days leading up to my return to Brazil, he made me call my family by camera and tell them I had decided to study in the U.S. My parents were against it, and I said I was of legal age, and I would decide where I wanted to study. I saw the look of disappointment on my parents because I made such a harsh statement, but I had no other alternative. In the days Mike was traveling, I managed to speak with one of the trafficked girls in the house. She was from Bolivia named Angelita.
0: I've been held for 17 months. Mike is very dangerous.
1: He killed the family of the Colombian girl named Linda. He showed me pictures of her family. Oh, Dad, he said Linda had paid in blood for what she did to him.
2: Everyone thought those were Linda's family pictures at the time. When Mike returned, he said we were going on a trip to Europe. He had a bunch of passports with our pictures and different names. He told me he would send his partner to pick up my sister if I tried to talk to anyone at the airport. I didn't doubt him. These guys treated me degradingly. I was just crying and asking God to get me out. We went to Netherlands, Belgium, few places for two months and forced to have sex with about 15 men a day. Barcelona was our last stop in Europe. When I reached my limit, I couldn't act or speak coherently, so he showed me dead people and telling me he had done that to the family of a trafficked girl, saying it would happen to my family if I didn't listen to what he was saying. He showed me about five pictures of girls that were dead and bloody. I was terrified. When we returned to the United States, I would have to go through immigration alone, but on the plane... He showed me a video of my sister talking to a guy in English, and he said his partner had Tatiana nearby, so I shouldn't do anything stupid at immigration. I was always sold to people in Miami, Las Vegas, and Chicago. Sometimes I was taken to someone's house, sometimes to a luxury hotel. I talked to my parents once a month. My mother complained a lot because I didn't have a phone. I said I could use Mike's phone and what would I need it for? I heard Louie tell Mike on the phone I was freaking out and I had to be thrown out. I thought I was going to die. I didn't know where I was, just the city. And I didn't have internet or phone. I was abused mentally, physically, sexually. Always. It was December 2018 and I had a bad cold and a fever. So he said I couldn't work and brought me medicine. When I spoke to my mother on December 23rd, she told me something was wrong with Mike and me. My mother explained to me that she had contacted the American embassy in Brazil, but failed. My father hired a private investigator. She told me that the detective stated there was no one with Mike's first and last name in the United States. Mike was next to me after I had to translate it everything my parents were saying. He hit me hard. Next day, a security guard at the house passed me and whispered, You're next. I didn't feel threatened, but like he was warning me. On December 24, 2018, I begged Mike to use the app he had on the computer to call my mom because it was Christmas Eve and they'd be even more suspicious if I didn't call them. He had been drinking a lot, so he let me use the computer for 10 minutes using text messages, but warned me of the consequences. When he fell asleep next to me, I went to Google and tried to type police online, but everything was blocked. I tried several words, but nothing worked. However, unbelievable when I typed human trafficking, it opened a website. I had to register, but I did it quickly so I could clean up the computer history, something I knew how to do. And I saw on the website a lot of people talking about abuse, domestic violence, human trafficking, and I also saw people talking about the lawyer Sandra G. So I entered into one of the chat rooms but I couldn't chat online, only post. In my message, I said I didn't know the address where I was, but I was being held in a house against my will. I said he had people working for him in Brazil who knew where my family was. The only information I knew for sure was that I was Miami. As Mike opened his eyes and asked what I was doing, I couldn't write anymore, and I saw the death in front of me. I was talking with my sister while at the same time I was cleaning the browser history. As he napped next to me on December 28th, I convinced him to let me talk to my mother for five minutes, he authorized, but I didn't speak with her. I went to the website and saw that the lawyer had answered my message. Hey.
1: Your IP is blocked. I have informed ICE and the FBI that you appear to be a victim of human trafficking. You need to know that he showed you photos of dead people saying that he killed them. This is not true. If he's saying he's going to kill your family, that's not true either. Everything he's been saying is simply to scare you into not letting you get away. I need you to trust me. You don't know me but I'm an attorney and activist against human trafficking in the United States. I need you to help me so I can help you. It's all close to the end, believe me. Do you know if you are going to travel soon? If yes, when, what time and where? Please tell me your full name, your parents name and their phone number. The authorities need to warn them.
2: I sent a message saying that I would be traveling in three days, but I didn't know the time to where or what name I would be traveling under. I just wrote my name and said I was Brazilian. As she was online at the same time as me, she responded in less than a minute in Portuguese. I had no idea, but she was Brazilian too.
1: You need to do exactly what I'm going to say. These guidelines are from the FBI, not mine. There is no way for them to know who you are or what name you'll be using to board. At the airport, after checking in, say you are not feeling well, pretend you are about to faint and keep saying you don't feel well. When you are passed through the security check area, tell them you cannot walk and you need a wheelchair to take you to the plane. When you board using the wheelchair, IC and FBI agents will be there. When the agents approach you, they will identify themselves. When asked for your name, say your real name. They will know that you are the traffic person and they will get you out there.
2: On December 31st, 2018, I did what Sandra told me. I was terrified, but it was my last chance. An hour before the flight, I told Mike I wasn't feeling well. It was a flight to Las Vegas and I only found out when I was boarding. After going to the bathroom, I told him I was too weak and thought I would pass out. He got angry and told me I had to get well soon, but I told him I was really bad and needed a wheelchair. I'm sure Dee didn't attack me because we were in public. He asked one of the guys to get it for me. A few minutes later, there were about seven people around me. One of them said, I'm a federal FBI agent. What's your name? After I said my real name, one of them asked who Mike was. I pointed to him and they handcuffed him. They asked who else was with me and I pointed to the guy who went to get a wheelchair. Also, I pointed out the girls who were victims. Suddenly there were 20 FBI and ICE agents around us. I started sobbing uncontrollably. The girls were two and the boarding crowd was looking at us. We were rescued at 8:30 at night. After being taken to a hospital with the girls, the federal agents asked me a lot of questions. My parents arrived in the U.S. on January 4, 2019 and said my physical condition was awful. I'd lost a lot of weight. I knew I was safe when I saw them, but I still thought Mike would find me. I asked this court, please don't show leniency towards my trafficker and impose life imprisonment on him. It's the appropriate punishment in this case. I was trafficked sexually exploited, tortured, and held for two years by this guy. Almost broke my spirit, but my faith won out. I always believed that everyone deserved a second chance and forgiveness, but I don't even have the slightest desire to forgive him. There's no forgiveness for what he did to me and those young women. We'll keep making monsters like these as long as we perpetuate benevolence.
1: Mike and Louis got life in prison with no chance of parole for 16 counts of human trafficking. The man received 10 to 15 years in prison. It was proven that the photos shown to Luana of the murders allegedly committed by Mike were photos he took online. He was not the perpetrator of those crimes. Luana was offered the possibility of leaving permanently in the United States because she was a victim of human trafficking, and she could receive the T visa, which is a specific visa for trafficked people within the United States who wish to remain in the country. But she chose instead to return to Brazil. There, she completed her final year at the university. Luana and her family moved to another Brazilian state. We cannot disclose her real name and neither her new city for security. What is allowed to be said is that today she's a public prosecutor. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você...